0: Glad you're here today let 's uh, begin with prayer Father, we thank you very much for the day we thank you for your love and your grace and for your work in our lives and we just pray that as we gather together to begin our time with Sunday school that your blessings would be poured out upon us we thank you for all of the teachers for their commitment their willingness to to prepare and study and to be ready and to teach the children that are in this building. Father, we thank you very much that you that we are gathering together around the word of God that it 's not um, popular opinion it 's not um, ideas it's not concepts that are made up or or from man but they're it's your word and that we are going to gather around that today we're going to study that read that and ask you to teach us that and we thank you that that is um, what this church is all about so we pray that during this hour it would be a tremendous and a wonderful time for the glory of jesus christ father we thank you that you are our teacher that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And we ask that the Spirit of God would um, open up our eyes and our hearts and our ears and our minds, that we would see it, comprehend it, embrace it, and cherish it. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning we are continuing in um, about the kings, and we're going to be looking a little bit about um, what God promised to do. Um, and so turn with me to Second Samuel, Second Samuel, as we wander through. Um, The Old Testament, 2 Samuel, and we're in chapter 7 this morning. And David wants to build a temple um, for the Lord, and and we're going to look at that, God's promises, today a little bit. Our theme today for our lesson is the gracious promises of God are meant to humble us and stir up gratitude in our hearts. And we will come back to that at the end of our class. The gracious promises of God are are meant to humble us and serve gratitude in our hearts. The Christ connection this morning, God promised David that future kings of Israel would come from his family and that his kingdom would last forever. God kept this promise by sending Jesse or excuse me, sending Jesus as one of David's descendants. All of history is driving toward the day when Jesus, the son of David, will be recognized as the king whose kingdom is indeed everlasting. And then the application is this God calls us to offer ourselves fully to him so that the mercy and the grace that we've experienced will go out to others. And we will spend quite a bit of time on that particular concept. So last week, we talked about the fact we saw how David was anointed the king, but he wasn't on the throne yet. We saw that he was running away from King Saul. We saw that David um, had a bunch of military victories, and he became one of the most popular men in the kingdom. And this angered Saul, and he didn't like that at all. And he went out to kill David. But David had an ally in the palace, and that ally was Saul's son, Jonathan. And that they became very, very good friends. And we talked about friendship and the importance of that last week. Now, what happens today? We're going to be looking at the fact that God reaffirms and expands one of the promises that he has made. One of his covenant promises where he has said, this is what I will do. He made this one to David he made the promise or excuse me he made it to abraham and he made the promise to abraham that these things would happen and today he is we're going to look at the fact that he continues to say to david these things will indeed happen all right and so we're going to see that god is very faith, very very faithful to his promises and then the question that we're going to talk about is after we see that god's faithfulness in our life what then for us what happens next Okay, we can see that, we can experience it, we can can taste it, we can be a part of it, but what then? What's next? And that is really the most important thing that we're going to talk about today. So 2 Samuel chapter 7, and uh, we're going to read the first handful of verses. It says this, Now it came about when the king lived in his house, and the Lord had given him rest on every side from all of his enemies, that the king said to Nathan, uh, the prophets, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells with tent curtains. Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in your mind, for the Lord is with you. But at the same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord, Are you the one who should build me a house to dwell in? For I have not dwelt in a house since the day I brought up the sons of Israel from Egypt, even to this day. But I have been moving about in a tent, even a tabernacle. Wherever I have gone with all the sons of Israel, did I speak a word with one of the tribes of Israel, which I commanded to shepherd my people of Israel, saying, Why have you not built a house of cedar? Now, therefore, you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, to be a ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have cut off all your enemies from before you, and I will make you a great name, like the names of the great men who are on the earth. I will also appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them that they may live in their own place and not be disturbed again, nor will the wicked afflict them any more as formerly. Even from the day that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel, and I will give you rest from all your enemies. The Lord also declares that the Lord will make a house for you. Now, it's interesting in here, and I want you to notice, first of all, we want to jump in there and say, what are the promises that the lord is reiterating to david that he made to abraham in this passage what are those promises that he made to abraham that he's reiterating to david here look around and around verse 10 in there what's he say you're going to have the land. I will give you a place. I will give you rest. I will make sure that you will be there and that you will not have the problem of all of the wars and the battles that you're having now, okay? And that's a promise that the Lord has made. And, and he made it to Abraham, and he's telling David again today that this is what's going to happen. That I, And what God is doing here, and this is an important thing, God is declaring, I am the faithful God you can trust, okay? I am the faithful God that you can trust. That's the issue that we need to face in our life on a regular basis, is it not? It's a simple question. Can God be trusted? Do I trust God? Okay. Well, one of the things that God did on a regular basis throughout the Old Testament was he, he shared those promises over and over again and, say, and, and, and he says, Look, I made this promise to him, and I made it to him, and I'm making it to you, and I will fulfill it and keep it. I am a faithful God, all right? We have to believe that, all right? We're talking about the word of God in in our preaching time. Last week we talked about it. This week we're going to talk about it. Next week we're going to talk about it. It does no good for us to read the Bible and to study the Bible and to meditate upon the Bible and to memorize the Bible or to use the Bible in any way, shape, or form if we don't believe that the one who is speaking in that Bible, if we don't believe that the words that are in that Bible are faithful and true. We have to believe that when we read it, that these are the words of God and that he is a faithful God. He has said it and he will do it. Okay? And that's what is being taught here. And that's something that we need to cling to on a regular basis. That indeed, God is who he says he is. Alright? So he's doing that in this passage. Now, I want you to notice something else. Beginning in verse 8. All right? So in verse 7, we, uh, verses 1 through 7, we just have David talking to Nathaniel, Nathan, excuse me, and, and, and tell him all these things. And, and Nathan said, yeah, that's, that's a fine idea. But here God gets involved beginning in verse 8. And this is incredibly important. What is it that David is wanting to do in the first couple of verses? Just what's his point? He wants to be able to jump for God. And that's a noble good thing, right? Okay, right? Okay, but... We need to keep in mind, and this is an important thing, and we, we do this constantly when, we, when we're in this and, and look at the Old Testament, part of what drives us, part of what drives us, part of what drives us people down to the ages that drove David is that we want to be a lot like who? A lot like God sometimes. We also want to be a lot like the people who we are surrounded with, do we not? Don't we want to be like everybody else? Okay? One of the unique things that marks idols is what? Temples. Idols have temples. Over and over again. We see it constantly. One of the things that was driving David, and this is not, don't misunderstand me here. Okay? One of the things that was driving David is all the other gods have houses. So wouldn't it be only right that my God have a house? Now that, there's nothing wrong with that except what is it partly that God says to him in verses 1 through 7? Okay, look at what it says in the passage here and, and take a look at it. What does he say? Yeah. Okay, very good. Okay, he said, I, didn't, I don't need this. Exactly. Very good. What did you say? Exactly right. God's making the point that I don't need a temp, uh, house why Sam said it? Why? Because why? God's everywhere. Exactly right. So even in David wanting to do this, and it and it ended up being a fine thing. But one of the things that God says is is that if if we build a temple, one of, what's one of the fears of having a temple? Let's start. Right, it's not. Exactly right. As soon as we do that, we tend to put God in a box. And one of the things that God wants to work on constantly is, I can't be put in a box. Okay? Okay? Now that makes Christianity, for us, both easier and harder to grasp. Because it's, it's a lot easier to trot on down to the temple, is it not? And to worship the idol, And know that we've done our thing. Whereas Jesus came and he said that those who worship me worship me in spirit and in truth. That's a lot harder. But the good news is the reason why we can do it is because we've been given the Holy Spirit in order to do those kinds of things so that we are worshiping in spirit and in truth. So God was, one, God was willing to have a temple here eventually, but he wanted to make sure, make it clear that I am not like those other gods. I do not live in a temple made with hands. I am everywhere, All right and so God was just making that clear. Yes. Absolutely. Yep. It sure could have. It sure could have but one of the things that God wants to teach people all the time is that we need to make sure that we're doing this my way, right? But you're right. You can see where there could be some real dangers here, right? Okay, so... dwell everywhere that's exactly right okay yes yeah sorry i sometimes you need to remind me of that sam was saying that what's what's being taught here is the fact that god does dwell everywhere and and in fact it's it's looking forward to the holy spirit being in all of us and that's exactly right in 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 god dwelling everywhere yeah and i will do my best to do that okay next passage there beginning in verse 8 and moving on now notice what god does He says now therefore thus you say to my servant David okay go tell David thus says the Lord of hosts notice the terminologies I took you from the pasture from following sheep to be ruler over my people Israel I have been with you wherever you have gone and have cut off all your enemies from before you I will make you a great name like the names of the great men who are on the earth I will also appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them that they may live in their own place. I will do this. Verse 11, even from the day that I commanded the judges over my people, I will give you rest from all my enemies. The Lord declares to you that the Lord will make a house for you. Okay? What is it that the Lord is basically declaring in this passage of Scripture? What does he want God, uh, David to understand? God is the one doing what, though? Okay? Okay? Yeah, God is establishing. That's exactly right. Yes. He's making the house for David. Exactly right. He comes around to that final port. He is making it very clear to David, you want to do this, but you need to understand that I am the Lord. I am God. I have done this for you. I have done all these things for you. I have equipped you, and I have sustained you, and I have given you the ability, and rather than you making me something, you know what? I'm going to make you something. And so what God declares in this passage, if we were to put it another simple way, is what here? What is he wanting David to understand? He's not really, he's not really mad at David. He's not really... A t- but what's he making clear? Okay, partly it's my plan, not David's, and... Don't forget who is the God. Don't forget who's Lord. Okay, And he's making that. And it's, a, it's kind of an interesting thing that the Lord says, you want to do all this for me, but I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to do this for you. And, and this, is, this is opposite. When he comes down to the very end of this here, and it says, the Lord also declares to you in verse 11 that the Lord will make a house for you. And so what God did was he just separated himself in a remarkable way from all of the idols of that day. People who worship the idol make houses for the idol. People who worship the living God have a house made by the living God for them. Okay? And he says, I'm different. I'm different. And that is indeed looking all the way forward To not only today with the Holy Spirit, but one day what the Lord will do for us in eternity. Okay? That I will do these things for you. So God is declaring, I am not like any of the other gods again. And that was a constant theme, and that needs to be a constant theme that we embrace in our lives today, is that I am not like any other in any way, shape, or form. You need to worship me like that. And we're going to tie that all in at the end. All right? Yes, ma'am. Right. God said he doesn't dwell until we have hands. Right. Exactly. I'm everywhere. Yes? But isn't he also out that the is, or the houses, is not the kind of house, that's the house of, the, of what he's him as far as the people. Absolutely. He's, he's pointing out that this is not a physical house we're talking about. Right. He's talking about the life that he has and, and the home that he has and, and the fact that we dwell in him and, and that we one day will have that ultimate total rest and peace. Yeah. The Old Testament, we've said this over and over again. Many of the Old Testament promises, they talk about this and they talk about this, right? And that's what's going on here. Yeah, Keith. Can we draw a parallel between what he said here and, and what he said in my house in my in my house are many rooms? Absolutely you can. Because part of what he's saying is that I will take care of you for all of eternity absolutely that's what's going on here okay there's no doubt and God is reversing that and keep in mind how he's reversing that he is making that declaration in in separating himself from the gods of the day okay that was a big deal that went on in the Old Testament over and over again. And we saw it with Judges a lot. And I don't, you know, I know we skipped around, but if you're reading through, hopefully, and you are doing that once in a while, and if you read through Judges, you saw that over and over again. That although the nation of Israel was taken captive on a regular basis, at the end of the day, after every captivity period, what happened? God made the declaration that these false gods are not good enough. Okay? And that's what he was doing in the Old Testament over and over and over again so that they would understand that, all right? So what David is saying is that it's by grace. I, excuse me, what God is saying to David is that it's by grace. I am bestowing upon you, okay? I am bestowing upon you. And that was a brand new concept, right, when it comes to idol worship and and worshiping the true living God. I am bestowing upon you, and that's something that we cannot forget. It's grace. Brand new thing. All right? Okay. Yes, ma'am. Clarissa says that verse 12, verse 10 is one of those verses that, hard to grasp, and she used the word disturbing, that because as you read this, you think, you know what, that's not what's going on. It's not what's going on right now. When will it go on? When Christ returns. See, and here you have to understand that you read and and even as you're reading through isaiah if you're reading through the bible with us, you're reading isaiah and we're about to we'll continue along with all those major and minor prophets the promises given to the nation of israel over and over again did indeed talk about a rest in the promised land but they also talked about a rest in the promised land okay that God will once again work with the nation of Israel and he will bring them and he will give them the land and there will be peace and there will be prosperity and it will be a wonderful thing, all right? And so that's what he's talking about ultimately and that, that the Old Testament is an incredible, incredible, the books of the Old Testament are incredible in the fact that they are constantly pointing to what will happen down the road. This is God's big plan, all right? And that's a tough thing for us a little bit as Christians to grasp because we spend so much time in the New Testament and that we focus so much where? Right this moment. Right this moment. All the, over and over again, we, we focus right this moment. Okay? And, and especially those of us in the U.S., we, we focus on right this moment. This is it right now. Okay? And, and you start reading the Old Testament, and you need to understand that the focus was indeed, this is what I'm going to do for you, but this is what I'm going to do for you. There's a great hope that we as believers need to hold on to. This is what I'm going to do with you. And one of the problems with Christians today is that we're not holding on to this hope nearly as much as we should. Because if we held on to this hope, we're able to do some of the things that we should do in this life. The reason why that the Old Testament saints were able to do what they did, the reason why the prophets were able to be who they were, is because they were holding on to this constantly, and they recognized and they believed that this world is not my home, and that because of of my relationship with God, I'm okay with that. That I have this, and I'm going to stand for him, and I'm going to endure what I'm going to endure because of that. That's going to help get you through tribulation that's going to help get you through persecution is that not this because when it boils right down to it what is the promise that you have for today and really the only promises that you have for today in scriptures i'll never leave you nor forsake you okay everything else that you have beyond that on this earth is i used the word earlier grace As New Testament believers and as New Testament believers who live in the United States of America, we struggle with that just a little bit because we have such an incredibly wonderful life. Okay? Sometimes we do forget the promise that you have tribulation. That's exactly right. So when we understand the scriptures and when we look at it as all of the saints in the past have looked at it and understand that he's talking about all of this cool stuff, it's easy to endure this. Okay? and that's exactly one of the things that God is wanting David to understand right now and that's what he wanted all of the Old Testament saints to understand and he wants us to understand that too we just struggle with that a little bit more okay? and Christianity as a whole and, and, and you guys were in a room where you guys will understand this Christianity as a whole struggles with that the songs and the hymns that we sing in church by and large the songs that you listen to on the radio the popular music of the day has changed drastically in the last 20, 30 years. Drastically. The focus is totally different. Where's the focus for a lot of songs today? Look at me, I'm worshiping you. That's exactly right. Where was the song 20, 30 years ago, where was the focus on? And this great hope. Think of all the songs that talk about this great hope that, that used to be incredibly common and pop, and they're, they're waning. That's exactly right. That that mentality turn on the radio (laughs) listen to christian music on the radio and if you listen with a discerning ear after a while you're going to shake your head and say man we're just not focusing on the right thing we're just not okay and when we're not focusing on the right thing then when the tribulations do come when the difficulties do come we cry out to god why did you fail me somehow okay and god wants david to understand a different thing and he really wants us to understand a different thing all right yes Absolutely, there will be the kingdom of God will be on this earth. Absolutely, absolutely, the kingdom of God's within us. That's exactly right. There's absolutely no doubt. Well, let's move on here and let's let's read the next the next uh, section of of, of uh, this passage here. So, God kind of corrects David's perspective, if you will. God kind of says, "Listen, I want you to understand some things. It's a little different than what you're thinking, but." Let's let's move on. And and so we begin reading in verse 11 then. And he says, um, Even from the day I commanded the judges to be over my people Israel, I will give you rest from all your enemies. The Lord also declares to you that the Lord will make a house for you. When your days are complete and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your descendant after you who will come forth from you, and I will establish his kingdom. Okay, now he's, he's, refer, he's referring to the fact that that I have made a promise, and that promise is the line will continue. All right? He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Who's that talking about? Jesus. Absolutely. I will be a father to him, and he will be a son to me. When he commits iniquity, I will correct him with the rod of men and the strokes of the sons of men. Again, we've said this over and over again with Old Testament prophecies. Who's he talking about in that verse? And? And, yep, Jesus and? Who's next in the line? Solomon. So in this, he's talking about Jesus and Solomon. Old Testament prophecies are like that all the time. All right? Because he's not talking about needing to correct him with the rod of men and the strokes of the sons of men, is he? Jesus didn't get corrected, did he? Okay? He never never needed to be corrected. Now, what Jesus was, was he was given over to, to men, and he paid the price for their sin. Okay? So understand that there's that dual thing there again. Verse 15, But my loving kindness shall not depart from him, as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed before you. Your house and your kingdom shall endure before me forever. Your throne shall be established forever. In accordance with all these words and this vision, so Nathan spoke with David. Your kingdom will be forever. Now we know that that is not a physical kingdom, obviously, don't we? Because the kingdom was not forever, was it? And why was the kingdom not forever? And we'll get there eventually in our study. But why was the kingdom, and you guys are smart enough to know this, you know history of the Old Testament. Why was the kingdom not forever, the earthly kingdom not forever? That, what? Say it. There you go. They kept there you go. Because who was the king? What kind of a king was he? A human king. That's exactly right. The, the kingdom couldn't last forever. When we talked about this a couple weeks ago, what is the problem with the kings? The problem with the kings is that they are human. Why couldn't the kingdom last forever? Because they're human. That's exactly right. It was never going to work, all right? Obviously. And, the, and besides that, he's talking about a lot different story than that, right? So we understand that what he's doing here is he is talking about Solomon's about to come, and some amazing things are going to happen through Solomon, and we'll study that. We'll look into Solomon, and Solomon is going to, to build the temple, and, and he's going to But Solomon also well. He strayed. That's a good word. We'll just say he strayed. He had his issues, didn't he? And so obviously, well, that's going to be a problem. And so the Lord was going to have to deal with Solomon. And one of the, one of the ways that he dealt with Solomon was what? Split the yeah. He split the kingdom. He split the kingdom. That's exactly right. He split the kingdom. And so the kingdom was not going to endure. It was not going to go because of the disobedience of people, all right? But then, as, as time goes along, we eventually have Jesus, okay? Now, a is not gonna do this, and, and we're not gonna go into great detail with this at all, but we have studied enough of the Old Testament at this point even to understand and be reminded that what kind of people were in the line that led to David, that led to Jesus. Broken, good word, broken people. Sinful people, Gentile people, all sorts of people that you wouldn't put on the list, huh? That God used all these different people so that they would eventually come to Jesus, all right? And it was that, it was that representation of, look, everybody needs Jesus and nobody is disqualified from Jesus. Look, no, everybody, every category, every kind of person from every tongue and tribe will be a part of Jesus okay and so that's an amazing thing that the Lord did that and these promises that he did that and so Solomon was going to build a temple but what happened to that temple it got destroyed and so they built another temple and what happened to that temple it got destroyed and what's the temple now it's yeah, no yeah <laughs> the temple right now is is here and indeed, as we look around, what, gets, what happens to these temples? <laughs> they get destroyed, okay? Yeah, Exactly right. And, and so eventually we're looking beyond, even as we see the Holy Spirit in us today, eventually we look beyond and we see that it's going to be a brand new, wonderful, cool thing, all right? That everything that we've seen to this point and everything that we're experiencing to this point is a shadow of things to come and wanting us to look forward to things that come but it's not the real thing quite yet. Okay? It's not the real thing quite yet. That is part of the hope that we have and should cling to and cherish as believers. It's not the real thing. There's something better yet. Okay? And I want to say this, and, 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 and we just need to understand this, okay? Listen. Dying is not the worst thing that can happen to you, is it? No it 's not I understand the tears and the sorrow and the heartache and, 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 and all that goes on with dying. I get that i've experienced it as a pastor and as a son, and I, I get all of that stuff, but that 's what happens in life okay that 's what happens, and we need to understand that that that, that when, 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 when eventually you're told that you only have a few months to live that that what's happening is that that you have been anticipating and longing for all of your life is about to come to pass. Okay? And we don't need to be morbid about that, but nor do we need to put that in a category of we can't discuss it or talk about it or think that it's a horrible thing. Okay? Because all that we see now that's a shadow will one day come to pass, and that's a really good thing. It's awesome, and it's wonderful. It doesn't mean that we should dislike this world or, or, or not want to live here enough that we don't do anything. God has said, you're here for a while. Be here. But he says there's something that is way better. Way, way, way better. And that's part of the promises that God gives even in this passage of Scripture. Okay? all right, And we need to understand that and cling to that. We don't need to be morbid about it. We don't need to be bizarre about it. But it is a fact, and we need to understand that. All right? I, I believe that there are many times... I think that in Christianity sometimes to put it a little bit bluntly I think in Christianity that we have really gotten pretty good at talking about and teaching people how to live for Jesus but I don't think that we're very good at talking about and teaching people how to die for Jesus. I think we need to get a little bit better about that in Christianity because that's part of life is it not? It's it's how it works. Well, Let's keep reading this passage here. Let's go to verse 18 and, and we'll go to the next section here. So, Nathan went and told David all these things. Then the king, then David the king went in and sat before the Lord, and he said, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me this far? And yet this was insignificant in your eyes, O Lord God, for you have spoken also of the house of your servant concerning the distant future. And this is the custom of man, O Lord God. Again, what more can David say to you for... You know your servant, O Lord God. For the sake of your word and according to your own heart, you have done all this greatness to let your servant know. For this reason you are great, O Lord God, and there is none like you. There is no God beside you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. And what one nation on the earth is like your people Israel, whom God went to redeem for himself as a people and to make a name for himself and to do a great thing for you and awesome things for your land... Before your people, whom you have redeemed for yourself from Egypt, from nations and their gods. For you have established for yourself your people Israel as your own people forever, and you, O Lord, have become their God. Now, therefore, O Lord God, the word that you have spoken concerning your servant and his house, confirm it forever, and do as you have spoken. That your name may be magnified forever by saying the Lord of hosts is God over Israel. And may the house of your servant David be established before you. For you, O Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, have made a revelation to your servant saying, I will build you a house Therefore, your servant has found courage to pray this prayer to you. Now, O Lord God, you are God and your words are truth and you have promised this good thing to your servant. Now, therefore, may it please you to bless the house of your servant that it may continue forever before you. For you, O Lord, have spoken and with your blessing may the house of your servant be blessed forever. That's a pretty cool prayer. He did. He got it. A little chat from Nathan after what the Lord had said. He got it. And in essence, what did he get? In essence, what is it that David is saying here? Summarize it as quickly and as succinctly as you can. What's he saying? You, O Lord, are God. That's pretty succinct. (laughs) That's exactly right. And let's go a little further, I guess. (laughs) And what is it that you, O Lord, who is God, have done? You have given me grace. Very good. You have done this, and there's not really nothing more to say after that, is it? You are the Lord, the God, and you have given me grace. You have promised, and I yeah. Very good. You have promised, and I have believed. That's very good. That's well put. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. David. Okay. So so Don said he got it. Okay. And in effect, he got the fact that you are the Lord God, that you have, you have promised and I have believed, and, and, and you, it's all you, okay? So put that into our life real quick. What should happen with us? We should get it. And how should that manifest itself? We should get it. And how, how should that manifest itself? Obedience. What else? Trust. A modern song that says, God is God and I am not. You're right. Good song, in fact. It's exactly right. Yep. How else well should it manifest itself? Loving one another. Serving. Say it louder. Our actions. Praying. What was over here? Desiring the future. Very good. Study. When we look at God, And see what it is that he's done for us. And who we are. It should motivate us in our life. We'll start with where David started. What's the first motivation that should happen? What did David do here? He did what? He prayed, but he? He Which is called? Worship. He worshipped. He He worshipped. First thing that should happen in our life is we should worship. Now, that word worship is big and has a lot of different meanings, right? When you obey, you are worshiping. We should worship. Yes? He. Yeah, Randall says he, he humbled himself in those previous verses. He put himself in the right position to worship. That's good. And that would fall into the category of you got it. He humbled himself. He recognized that, oh, you are who you are. Okay. All right. Now let's fast forward to us real quick and let's talk about a couple of things. Here's the interesting thing about the New Testament. And we'll use, we'll use one book in specific to understand this. But this is, this is rather common throughout the New Testament books. Okay. The book of Ephesians. How many chapters are in Ephesians? six so half of that would be so the first half of the book of Ephesians is about what doctrine uh, good answer but for our conversation we need a little bit different who I am in Christ very good or what God has done to me what God has bestowed upon me the last half the next three chapters are all about (laughs) yep what you should do That is a common theme in the New Testament. What the New Testament books are many times are look at who God is and what God has done in your life for you. Now because of that, live this way. One of the problems that we have in Christianity is that we spend way too much time in chapters 4, 5, and 6, and we forget about why we're supposed to be doing 4, 5, and 6. We We're not spending enough time in chapters 1, 2, and 3. Because if I'm not spending time in chapters 1, 2, and 3, and I'm doing a lot in 4, 5, and 6, what happens to me? I don't get it. <laughs> exactly right. I get frustrated. I get angry. I get irked. Because I can't do it. And so we need to be very careful in Christianity to make sure that we are spending time in 1, 2, 3, and then 4, 5, 6 flows from us. Okay. And there was a sense in what we just studied right here that David was in 4, 5, and 6 at the beginning of this. I'm going to build you something, God. And God said, we need to have a little chat first. And then David said, you are a magnificent, overwhelming God, and I just want to worship you. Okay? That's Christianity. And what we do when we understand who God is is We understand that I need to worship him. My life needs to be seen that way. I worship him in every aspect of my life. And there's a lot of ways to define that. There is the doing and and, and the serving and all the things that we talked about earlier. And that's all called worship. I am giving him worth because I recognize who he is and what he's done in my life. And I am so overwhelmed that I can't help but do that. We've been talking about the Bible. Why should I be in the Bible? how we learn what about God and what God has done for me okay now unfortunately because sermons we kind of spend time this morning we're going to be all about four five and six (laughs) but 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 that's just how it worked (laughs) when we're talking about our sermon this morning we're going to be talking about what it is that how we should be responding to him and what he said but but that's an important thing does that all make sense to you guys and so, so we need to make sure that we are in what we call the doctrinal portions of the Bible. See him. Okay? And in fact, before God set the Old Testament prophets on a task, what did he often do for them? He gave them a glimpse of himself. Before Isaiah started, what did he do? He saw the Lord and he said, woe well, am I. And then he went about this incredibly difficult task. Yes, sir? Would it be safe to say that if we spend more of our time in four, five, and six, we have nice religion. But if we start in one, two, and three, and spend time there, then we have a relationship. Yep, I think it is fair. Randall says that. Is it fair to say that if we spend time in four, five, and six, we tend to have religion. But if we start in one, two, and three, and then go to four, five, six, we have relationship, and that relationship manifests itself in that wonderful way. That's exactly right. Okay, right. Now, and of course I've used that in Ephesians, and Ephesians is just an easy one. Romans does the exact same thing. <laughs> Romans is the exact same, it's broken down the exact same way. Okay, And you look at some books, and you start, start reading books with that, with that mindset, and what you'll see in book after book is, I am being reminded of who God is. I am seeing doctrine here. And then oh I am seeing what doctrine should mean in my life here. Okay? And that's what happened with David. Okay? Yes. And sound doctrine leads to unity all the time. That's exactly right. Leads to all sorts of cool things. Yes. Absolutely. And and that's exactly right. That's well put. That that when we when we skip the foundation part, one, two, three, we live in that area of a confusion. We don't know why we do what we do. That's right, and we're confused. That's exact and that's why it gets frustrating. Why am I why am I supposed to be nice to my wife? She's not nice to me. Or a free wives. Why am I supposed to be nice to my husband? He's not nice to me. Right? And what's the answer? Yeah, it has nothing to do with that. Actually go back further than that, because we've got to be at one, two, three. <laughs> It's got to be, look what God has done for you. Because God has transformed you. And you doing that is not because of what somebody does to you. It's because of what God did. It's grace. Okay? And that's what needs to happen. So that, that's the thing. Hey, the, the, the essential doctrine that's in this particular lesson is, is God's faithfulness. God's faithfulness. And that was a big deal with God and David and the prophets, his faithfulness. And, and you've got to understand that it's a big deal when God confirmed the covenant to David that he gave to Abraham. That's a big deal. So he gave this covenant to Abraham and he gave it to his sons and his children and all of that, and then he comes along and he gives it to David. God is making that declaration that I am faithful. I am faithful. Listen, we need to believe that indeed God is faithful. God has declared in scriptures that I am a faithful God. Okay? I will always do what I say I'm going to do. All right? We may not understand it sometimes. We may not see it clearly sometimes, but God is indeed a faithful God. The problem with our vision many times is that we want God to be who we want God to be, not understanding that he is faithful to what he has declared in Scripture. Okay, and so we get a little irked. We say, look what God did. Well, yeah, that's, he didn't do what you wanted, but he's still faithful. He has still been faithful here. Okay? This is what he has done. God is faithful, and that is an incredibly important thing. If, I, if, if we do not believe that God is faithful, we have no hope of heaven, do we? Absolutely none. None. If we do not believe that God is faithful, we have no hope of eternal security, do we? None. If we do not believe that God is faithful, there's no point in praying because he may listen, he may not listen, right? Yeah. But God is faithful. And he says, this is what I've said and this is what I declare. And that's another reason to read your Bible and even to read the Old Testament is so that we understand that sure enough, look, God is showing himself to be faithful one more time. I can believe him. I can trust him. He is indeed a faithful God. I'll get past this thing. Okay? Yes, done. First six verses of Romans. Sure, I will. We'll end with that. Turn with me to me Romans 6. Yeah. Turn to me to Romans 6. Yeah. Oh, first chapter of Romans. Romans 1. Romans 1. It says this. So this is going to talk about some doctrine in Romans 1, right? It says this. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, faithfulness, concerning his son who was born of a descendant, David, according to the flesh. Concerning his son who was born of a descendant of David, according to the flesh. Who was declared the son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead, according to the spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for his name, among whom you also are called of Jesus Christ. It's amazing stuff. Read the Bible, read some of these books with this in mind, and understand this is how God works, okay? And, and when you see God, it will transform you. And that's what we're after on a regular basis. Father, thanks for our time together this morning. We thank you that you are a faithful God. And we look back and we read in the Old Testament and, and we don't quite understand it because we didn't go through it. We didn't live it and, and and we're Gentiles and we we think about it differently, but wow, the fact that you continually confirm these promises to your children in Israel, that's just overwhelmingly amazing. And we thank you for that. And we thank you that that David got it and we can see how he got it and why he got it and Lord I just pray that you would cause us to get it and that we would be like David and we would come to you and say Lord we are humble and we are overwhelmed at what you've done for us we stand completely and utterly amazed and in awe of the God of the universe and his work in our life may we be those people this week and we pray this in Jesus name